0: Welcome back to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. This week on Friends, Pat Brown is here. Pat has been seen on CBS's Late Show with Stephen Colbert, Two Dope Queens on HBO, and check out our critically acclaimed album, The Pat Brown Sex Tape. Mimi Simpson is back. She's a writer, comedian, and producer. She currently hosts her own virtual comedy show. It's called Laugh Gas. If you're in New York City on June 16th, check out her Trailblazers comedy show at Caroline's on Broadway as part of the Black Women in Comedy Festival. Gina Brion is back. Gina is a stand-up comic born and raised in the Boogie Down Bronx. Her first one-hour special, Pacifically Speaking, was produced by Gabriel Iglesias. Check out her recent special, which I loved. It's called The Floor is Lava on Amazon. And check out her debut on America's Got Talent. I want to thank all of our listeners and friends like us. Because of you, we make some pretty impressive lists. You can hear us on Google Podcasts Now, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. Review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. That's important. We shout out your reviews on YouTube. Subscribe. You can email us at us at Gmail. Our Instagram is Friends Like Us and our Twitter is Friends Like Us Become more than a friend, leave us a tip or a donation by going to our Patreon page. Go to Patreon backslash friends like us merch is available with the new logo we have t-shirts hoodies coffee mugs face masks tank tops and it's all available for purchase at marinafranklin.com so you can represent your favorite podcasts right now i did it again sorry and weekly on my youtube channel i go live with my assistant to give updates to the show shout out fans who leave reviews and have guest friends from the podcast like Yamanika Saunders has been there, Pat Brown, Zainab Johnson, Suba Gerwald. I mean, what are you waiting for? Check us out this Saturday. Oh, and sometimes we offer free stuff like tickets to comedy shows. And with friends like us, it'll help you feel not so alone because more content is on the way to check us out. Most important, tell a friend you know to check us out. Wash those dirty little hands, wear your mask if you feel like it, get vaccinated if you don't, no judgment, but kind of, and Black Lives Matter. And welcome to Friends Like Us. Today, I have Gina Brion and Patty B. That's Pat Brown, everybody. We were just talking with Gina about being a first do you call it first time mom? What?
1: Yeah, definitely. First time mom. Gina yeah. Dion. The stress is a first time motherhood. Yo. you you want to fight everybody. You want to protect your kids from even the unknown. Like my son fell off the bed yesterday. I was telling Marina, I had a heart attack the whole day. I was a mess, crying mess. Couldn't even look at him. I was like, I let you down. <laughs> <laughs> like it was literally that much pressure that I put on myself. And so it's, it's tough when it's your first kid. Cause you know, what Marina was saying was like when it's your second or third kid, you you see how parents are like, hey, he'll be off, he'll be fine.
0: Oh yeah, like at the park. I remember years ago at the park with Bonnie McFarland and and um her Raina, her daughter, and I was just like, is 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 Raina okay with that kid? Is on the and nobody, no parents were looking. They were talking to each other. The kids could have been underneath the, you know,
1: yeah. I've seen it with my, uh, with my brother-in-law, he has like five kids and like, you just see them running around like one of them falls and I fall apart. Cause I'm just like, Oh my God, is that kid hurt? And he's just like, all right, get up. You're fine. Keep going. <laughs> it's just like, it's, and the kid just gets up. Like, you know, it, it. there is some truth to the fact that if you don't freak out, the kid normally doesn't freak out. You know, unless they've had a really hard fall, but like for the most part, if it's just a little trip or something, like because even with my son being a first time mom, when he has little trips, I still have a heart attack. But like when you don't, I try not to freak out in front of him. I'm like, you're all right. Right. You're all right. Right. Uh, Oh, I used to
0: always do that with my nieces. Like if they fell, I would just look away (laughs) so that they didn't see like anything because they do check in with you.
1: Yeah. They're like, was that bad? Is that supposed
0: to hurt? Mm-hmm. I always wonder if the, uh,
2: the anxiety is different for, because when I, uh, used to keep my niece and nephew, uh, I was just highly concerned about bringing them back <laughs> intact. You know what I'm saying? Not on my watch. We ain't no. getting hurt on my watch. We ain't, uh, getting bruised on my watch. No mosquito bikes, no anonymous rashes, none of that shit. We're going to, we're going to be good on my, but I, I don't, I don't know if that's the same or a, is it being a mother is even more to the 30th degree or are you, not, are you not as anxious because it's your child? So um, I remember when I was a, a little kid, I was about probably eight or nine or something like that. And I fell off a balcony, not a balcony, a, a banister uh, and hit my head. I had the biggest hickey on my head. It was probably the like a half of a baseball or something like that. And I imagine now my uh plague auntie who was keeping us at the time telling my father, who was very overprotective and my mother, who was not as much <laughs> that uh you know I'm coming home like that and explaining to them uh what happened to me i i could i I can imagine that now how horrible that was, but uh you know at the time I was like, mm, I'm good." <laughs> I mean, it looked looked worse than it it, it actually felt, but uh, I actually fell off the banister and having to explain that I fell off a banister (laughs) to uh, my parents, uh, especially to my father.
0: I would compare that to therapy when they ask you questions about, like, when you come out of a traumatic experience and you're like, I'm good, but they still want
1: to press
0: for more. Like, but you've just said, I'm good, you know? And it's not... You're traumatized, yeah, yeah, and it's not until you actually have someone do that to you that you go, "I I was traumatized, oh my God," and you cry like that kid that sees the mom's expression.
2: Yeah, I don't think I was traumatized that because uh it wasn't anybody's fault, and then, but that's what
0: I mean, That's what yeah. I mean. like if someone had pressed you on it,
2: <laughs> oh, you mean at the time I was a child, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, I see your point, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I got, you know, I think you get a sufficient amount of love and hugs and they come on. You want some ice cream? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That shit works still. If only
0: a therapist could do that.
1: Yeah. That's always makes that's that heals everything. I remember years ago I was a camp counselor and there was a little girl. This adorable little girl, man. She was the cutest little thing. Fiery little attitude on her. And she got stung by a bee right by her eye. And it was the most calm I'd ever seen a little girl react to being stung. Like, she just walked up to me. I swole up. And she was like, I got stung by a bee. And I was like, Whoa! <laughs> oh my God. And I took her over to like all the nurses and everything, and she was calm until somebody showed her a mirror. Yeah, oh. as Soon as they showed her a mirror, this little girl lost her damn mind. She started crying hysterically. I had to try to calm her down. I was like, "Who's the doofus that showed her a mirror?" she was fine. You did not have to show her a mirror until that eye was at least a little bit less swollen to fr- not freak her out. But she was so brave up until it's like, and it's like what you said about pressing people. It's like, you didn't have to show her, her eye. She's going to freak out. If she sees it. it's like when, when a kid has a bad break, you kind of try to dis- distract them and talk to them so that they're not looking down at their arm or their leg. That's probably looking all messed up, you know, cause I know my, one of my, um, brother-in-law's kids had like a break in her arm. She fell off and, uh, like of something and she had a break in her arm and they had to take her and get her a cast. And it's like in those situations, you know, they tell you to try to keep that person or the kid calm, like just don't let them overreact. Like don't, cause once they start overreacting, the body's gonna overreact and that's gonna make the pain worse and everything else. So I would imagine like not showing her the mirror until her eye was less swollen would have been a lot better than showing her how bad it looked. Because, like, it's like you said, it looked worse than it was. Like, it looked way worse than the pain was for her until she saw that mirror. And then she was like, I'm hideous. And she just lost her mind.
2: It was her little rival. <laughs> her little rival was like, Look, you'll never go to prom.
0: <laughs> I wanted to show you this this picture of uh, my niece speaking of doing something I wanted to post it but then she's in her underwear and I, I still think there's like pedophiles and I'm nervous
1: oh it is what do you mean
0: you think look look at her
1: Aww. oh my god she's on a is she, she on a tabletop
0: look oh, watch god. this I ask her is she supposed to do this and watch yeah she's she got on the chair
1: oh my lord look at um her.
2: Are you oh you are filming
0: that? her watching her. her down <laughs> watch watch <laughs> you're the worst but no you missed it i'm gonna show mom this video are you supposed to be doing that nope. <laughs> did you hear <laughs> no nope she actually said nope <laughs> So she knows that she's not, and I, you know, I showed that to my sister and my sister was like, yeah, but it's so funny because my, this is my younger sister. She was like that when she was a baby. Really? Just very like in everything, climb. I used to climb counters like that too when I was little. And it's so funny, but it's so dangerous. Like I looked at that and I was like, oh my God. And then she just jumps down on the chair and she's like all over. The- but I was like, if she falls, Oh you at least God. have it on videotape. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I know. Right. I have evidence that I just sat there and watched it happen. Oh,
2: yeah. You're the worst.
0: I, I tell you what, though, these kids, they are something. I mean, this one, i I've seen her expression. She knows to do the sad face to get things. The face that tells you that she's about to cry. She knows that it works. She goes and she's testing you.
1: That's hilarious.
0: Now you you're not you're not yet at two yet. How many months is it a year? He's,
1: he's gonna be a year in next month in July. So he's in my little boy's gonna be a year old.
0: Right. Just you Frankie. Oh yeah, both of them. Oh my god. Yeah. He's so adorable. I was gonna ask you about what that's like too. I feel so protective of you, by the way. When you were at the cellar, it's just my little my little maternal instinct of you being in that area. Are you oh, okay?
1: for me to bring him there.
0: Yeah, I was where it's like, you know, like I was hanging out, but then I was like, I wanted to like shroud you with because all those people are walking by. Like, how are you? Is that difficult?
1: It is. Um, I mean, the thing is, I had a baby during a pandemic. So there's a part of that social aspect that he knows nothing of. Like he has not he had one play date with um a girlfriend of mine who had a baby who's about the same age. So he had one play date, like when he was just fresh out and like ever since then, he hasn't really played with any other babies or been around other babies. He's been around more adults that have come by and, and responsible people in a controlled environment. So like for me, when I had to take him down to the cellar, cause I couldn't find a babysitter. I was like, Oh God, I have to break. That's such a, busy area there's so many people and like to have a baby and my son's very curious but he's curious but shy like he'll look around but he doesn't want to be bothered like he doesn't want anybody to really notice him i tell everybody my son looks at everybody when he first meets them like they ain't shit like he just looks at you like you're not my mother where is my mother Uh, And then when he warms up to you, then he's just like, pick me up. He just does like the, he doesn't really say any words yet, except for mom. He goes, mom, 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 mom. And so he does that all the time. So I'll hear him do that when he wants me. But like, he's picking up on so many different things. It's so amazing that he starts to realize patterns. Like we tried to teach him some sign language. The only one he really got was milk. But now when he wants milk, he'll do like this for milk. Like, it like the cutest thing in the world to see how he picks up on things and he'll mimic my sounds. Like if I make a certain sound that he likes, he'll try to mimic it. And it's like so amazing. I don't know. Something about development and watching a child develop is so fascinating.
0: Oh yeah. That's You're creating a human being.
1: Yeah. I'm, I have the building blocks blocks, which is like, I'm why I'm so adamant with my husband too, about the foundation that we create for him as a person like just making him strong in himself having more character based ethics so that he's not worried about what everybody else thinks so that he's not obsessed with material things like a lot of kids can get obsessed with that because they want to be cool and i'm big on like mindfulness particularly now and it's something that i've i really got into during the pandemic mindfulness and meditation and presence and all of that and trying to instill that in a child in certain ways and It's new agey because obviously I grew up completely different. You know, like most of the people from my generation, I grew up pretty much with, you know, your parents had no choice but to kind of rule with fear where where I need to keep you afraid of making me angry so that I can keep you safe.
0: That's right.
1: And now we know a lot more about sort of how to communicate and how a child's brain works and how development works. And it's not just, we're not just stuck in survival mode It takes a lot more patience, that's for sure. Like I have to work on my patience and that's a big thing with parenting. It's like, man, patience is such a thing because I find myself like, it's harder when I'm exhausted and that's when I really have to be aware of it because when I'm overexhausted, it's just like anything else. You just, you want to snap at somebody or you want to just like, just shut up or just leave me alone or whatever. And you you don't get time off as a parent. It's literally 24 hours of, of work. You don't get to clock out. Like it doesn't matter if you're tired or if you're busy, you still have a job to do.
2: Well, I always uh, get into these um, <laughs> Facebook or social media uh, discussions with people or arguments with people about, uh, you know, uh, whooping kids. And I am against whooping kids, even though I had whoopings, even though they were, you know, we didn't, we didn't get whoop, who- a lot of whoopings. But uh we did get whooped, and uh my niece and nephew they got whoopings uh but I'm just not a fan of it and i i always say uh the uh you know we know better now and we do better we just because we got whooped doesn't mean that you know we would have probably start, still turned out we could have still turned out to be the same people with, without fear of physical violence and I, the, the The connection I was about to make is the difference is. Uh, it's not that uh, when when we whoop kids, it's about patience. Discipline is all about patience. And I think when we whoop kids, it's just like I've just lost patience, and I can this is the quickest things I can do right now. Because when it with actual discipline, when it comes down to discipline, it takes patience. It takes patience say walk over, stand in the corner. Uh, uh, my my grandfather used to do this. Uh, my mother said that my grandfather used to do this to her, like stand in the corner, lift one foot up, tell me why you did that. And when I told you not to do it, and so just stuff like that. Yeah. But it's a it's a way of focusing them on in on what they did wrong and whatever, and and all it also about building like I'm not happy with you right now. So uh, until uh, if you want to be able to engage with me, your adult that you love and admire, or whatever. I need you to act better. So it's uh, a way of doing that. But it's so many people. I'm just astonished about so many people. Uh, that still believe in whooping, and and, I, and I'm not to say that like uh, I've uh, uh, smacked my niece and nephew on the uh, on the bottom because I was impatient. But as a rule, yeah, no, I don't. I wouldn't want to whoop. Uh, I didn't whoop them, and uh, I wouldn't have whooped my ch- children. Hopefully, I wouldn't have.
1: I agree with you. I think that when people beat their kids, like when people hit their kids, it's like so unfair you have, first of all, you have such a size advantage on a child to like put your hands on a child, somebody that small who can't really defend themselves. Like it's so unfair. And even like getting frustrated at my son, like there was one time where like when he was, when he was just a newborn where he had been crying, crying, crying. I had just put him down. I was trying to get to sleep and he started crying again and I picked him up too fast And he started, you could tell he was startled and the cry just changed to this cry of such like fear that it broke my heart. And I was like, never again will I react to him like that because he's not doing anything wrong. He's literally being a baby. (laughs) Yeah, right. I'm being an idiot because I'm getting frustrated at him for just being this new life that has no idea. One thing I said in the hospital to one of the nurses, and she was like, you know, not a lot of people realize that. The first night when my son was born, he obviously he couldn't sleep. And so it dawned on me. I said, this is the first time he's sleeping outside of my body. He has no idea what's going on. So I held him and I stayed up all night holding him so he would sleep.
0: Well, that's why they swaddle too, right? Yeah.
1: The swaddle helps them feel secure because of, you know, their placement in the womb. But like to him there's all these like there's, you know, ambient noise, there's this is it cold, if it's chilly, like they put a little hat on him and everything, but there was nothing com- that comforted him more than me holding him so that he was next to my body so he felt that warmth, you know, and the release of I think it's oxytocin or something like that that's released when you hold a baby. Um, between mother and child. And it's like just one of those things that we don't realize often with kids is that everything for them is a first, every single thing. And it's stuff that we've all been through already. So we don't consider, you know, the first time a child gets frustrated, the first time a child gets scared, like all these firsts for them. Like my son still, I mean, he kind of has a little bit more sense of like object permanence. So like when I leave the room, he doesn't automatically cry, but there are still times where like, if I'm gone for too long, like if I'm going to get something and he's just like, where, where is she? Oh my God. Where is she? she did She did disappear. I didn't think she disappeared. So I'll try to talk to him while I'm in the other room, just so that he hears my voice and that he knows that I'm still around.
0: You know? <laughs> Rachel does that. She's like, she will cry. Frankie cries whenever she leaves the room. And then someone told her, um, you're getting punked. The baby is fucking you. You just gotta, you gotta get used to it. You can leave the room. She's taking advantage of you.
1: You can leave the room, like it's not always like unnecessary. Like in the beginning, obviously, you want to come back in the room because babies really don't understand. Like you leave, and they think you're gone. But after a certain couple of months, like they sort of they should get it, unless they've built up a habit of you running to them every time they cry. And like, I don't agree with just letting a baby cry but I won't run and pick him up at the most. I'll right. step back into the room. I'll say, mommy's right here. And then I will step back out of the room and I will get whatever I need to get and do whatever I need to do. And usually once he sees me, he'll start playing with his toys again and he's totally fine. He just needed that reminder that I was still around, but I don't his, like the connection.
0: Is yeah. So I envy that connection. Cause I don't think I'll, I'll ever have kids. So I'll never have, that con- That is a beautiful connection between mother and child that not even a father knows, right? Why don't you, why don't you adopt Keith? Oh, <laughs> 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 did, you, did you want to say that again? I don't know if they heard, if it came in clear. She said, why don't I adopt Keith? Oh, pl- trust me, I have. It's been a long raising a child. Um, <laughs> Swallow him so he can have that oxytocin and y'all can have that bond between y'all. <laughs> No, they yeah, will, go off. they'll little, never. It'll never be there the right way.
2: Pull a, a, a little knitted hat on his head. Hilarious. Having a bottle with wine.
0: I I find this so fascinating because it's also like your comedian and male comics. Like they're always talking about their kids, but it's not. Do that? Like we, <laughs> well, yeah, do that's that. funny. Some of them don't. I mean, but the ones that do. It's like they just show up on the scene, and like you know, we just did you know the hysterical, and you're seeing like the differences of women in stand up comedy and the challenges you're like phys- biologically connected to someone. you can't just come on the scene and not feel that, like how is that returning to work? It's
1: tough. um I'm not gonna lie, it's tough, and a lot of people don't get it like it's just like you don't understand like my body physically reacts to hearing my son cry. Yeah, Like literally a a wave of reaction when I hear him cry. Like even if I didn't want to react, it's something I couldn't help. Chemically, it's like my body is just programmed to, he's crying, get up, go to him, pick him up, make him feel better. Like it's literally something you have to battle.
2: Are you still breastfeeding too?
1: No, I breastfed for a couple months, but it was literally so it it was so depressing and it was so hard. And I hate the fact that nobody tells people how difficult breastfeeding is and how they push it on moms. And they're like, oh, I remember this one woman in my old building. She was like, you have to breastfeed. You have to breastfeed. I'll show you how to breastfeed. I was like, first of all, you're not seeing my titties. Um, you're not welcome. I just welcome. wanted
2: to just show you hers.
1: <laughs> you're not going to put your titties in my son's face. So uh, there will be no lessons here. And then, like, I just wish there was more of a, like, understanding, because nobody ever mentions to you what to do until you have to pay for a lactation expert, which is how the system gets you, um... They don't tell you anything about it and then you have a baby and you don't know what you're doing. They have one lactation expert at the doctor at the hospital who taught me nothing because she said everything was fine. And then a couple of weeks later I take my son for his checkup and he's lost weight and they're pressuring me to start him on formula. I didn't want him on formula that young. So I'm pressuring myself and that just makes you produce less breast milk and it's stressful. Oh, yeah. And it's such a process and it's such a thing that you, had I been preparing months before my son was born, I think I would have been in a better place to breastfeed, but because I wasn't given like, Hey, this is going to be hard. This is what it's like. This is how you want to prepare. Nobody really tells you that until you're in a position where you just, you, you now need that information and you got to fork up two or $300 for a lactation expert to come to you.
2: Can I ask, uh, what would, how would you have prepared? What would you have done differently?
1: Um, A lot of things is like learning one, learning what lactation like um, drinks and teas and foods to eat, because there are specific lactation foods that you can eat. You can pick up lactation treats. You can pick up lactation tea. I didn't know that till I was like late in the breastfeeding game. So I didn't realize all that, and then there's certain massages that you can do for your breast to make sure that you're loosening up the milk ducts and everything. and this was not I, I only learned this because I had been producing such a low amount of breast milk that I went into a panic, and I was like, "I just need somebody to tell me how to do this." you know, and it was also partially my son wasn't latching on right, so because they never told me he wasn't latching on right at the hospital, he spent weeks. Um, latching on wrong and causing me so much pain that I would be tense whenever I would breastfeed because it was painful. And so because they don't tell you this stuff, it's like, I wish I had been more prepared because I loved the idea of breastfeeding. I love the bonding of it. And had I been more prepared for it, I think I could have breastfed longer. I think I breastfed him until about like, I toughed it out for like five or six months. Um, I think the last two months I had to, uh, add formula to the mix because I wasn't you never got that. better. It never got better. It never, for a short period of time, it seemed like I was producing a little bit more, but I wasn't getting enough sleep. And sleep is a big proponent of it. You have to eat a ton of calories. You have to make sure you're eating the right things. And mm-hmm. it's been- and you can't drink. Yeah. Yeah. You can't drink. You can't. <laughs> Look at you, what you were. Well, no, about. my
0: niece got caught doing that. I mean, my niece, my my sister's second child, well, her first child told on her about the second child when we were at my aunt's house, she was like, mommy had to do the pump and dump. Yep. <laughs> Cause, Cause she, she drank. Alcohol. and just to... So yep. Mimi Simpson is here. Thanks for joining us. Wow. So we're going to continue. So sorry
1: for being late. Oh, oh okay. Oh. I thought we lost you again.
0: Yeah. yeah. There was a little bit of a delay. So, um, I was just, we we're talking with Gina, um, because I haven't seen her and, you know, talking to her about breastfeeding, which, you know, I, I was going to say, Gina, it's like all this stuff about being a woman that they don't help us with or teach us or put in, you know, like sex education is not just about sex. It's about all this. It's about fingering. (laughs) (laughs) Why
2: don't they ever talk about that?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, and then also like, you know, fertility, like having a child like, you know, I've been talking on stage a little bit about how they keep saying how Janet Jackson or, you know, had a baby at 50 and they don't go into the details, go into the details. So women know that that's not for everyone. Everyone doesn't have the finances to have a baby at 50. Mm -hmm. And how about this? Black babies, Mm -hmm. Latino babies even not enough. If if you get to that point where you can't have, you know, a child to, for, to get an egg, there's not enough of our eggs. Yes.
1: And then let's not let's touch on uh, the way we're treated in hospitals. Because I was treated awful. The birth of oh, my wow. son was horrible. It was a horrible experience to the point where I talked to my lawyers about suing the doctor because I was treated terribly i was treat- it was such a traumatic experience that I actually had to pay to go to trauma therapy after oh. the birth of my son
2: was it was it your doctor or just somebody a doctor that
1: that's the thing It was not my doctor. I had to see the doctor that was on call because my doctor that I saw throughout my pregnancy wasn't doing deliveries anymore, and so they just gave me this guy that was on call and right from the start you could tell he just did not want to help me he 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 could have cared less i was a burden to him he wanted to rush the whole thing he wanted to give me some kind of medication to speed up the pregnancy to speed up the birth and i was like i'm good are you like without even looking at my contractions he wanted to give me something to speed it up because you know he came in talking about he had been at the hospital for 2 days and he was exhausted he
0: had a hard out
1: yeah, he had a heart out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's like,
1: I got a heart out.
0: Now was he was he going through the pandemic exhaustion? Is that what he claimed? Yeah, and in the be it was it was more like he
1: was because the um maternity wing is completely different from where they were dealing with all the pandemic stuff, you know, it was just kind of spillover and busy, obviously, because they had like staff working as you know, 24 hours, just kind of like working as hard as they could to deal with the pandemic stuff. But like, I was even fine with that, but it was stuff like when I told him I had a birth plan, he was like, I don't, you know, we'll give you a birth plan. Like he didn't care about my birth plan whatsoever. And I was one of those people that was so petrified of, of giving birth. Like it's the one thing that kept me from having a baby this whole time is my fear. I legitimately have a deep seated fear of childbirth. And it was through setting up a birth plan was the only like calming factor. So when that wasn't respected and he wanted me to give birth on my back and I didn't want to give birth on my back because I had heard that that's the hardest, the actually hardest way to give birth and that you should give birth on your side or on all fours because it's an easier way. Gravity can actually help get the baby out. He didn't care about that. Um, My epidural fell out Um, so halfway through me giving birth, my epidural fell out. I wasn't given any other pain meds because I guess the doctor was just like, well, let's just do this. So I did it without any pain meds, the most critical part of the birth. No! Yeah. Um, and then I was crying and screaming and every time I would scream, he would say, stop screaming. Like he would just yell at me to stop screaming. Yeah.
0: Oh, I'm pissed. Okay. So...
2: Um, i I hear a lot of stories, you know, like this. of course, you know, I always brag about my sister. My sister's a physician, um she's a, a neurosurgeon, and she always gets congratulated about her bedside manners, which is the most important which is one of the most important things you're dealing with sick people, people who are very vulnerable, and it is your job to learn compassion. so just like just like the police. Um, and and how they aren't compassionate when dealing with citizens. When you come from a place of oppression, and you come from and and you know, and there are people who look down on you. They do it in every field. So while we're talking about the how the police um, deal with citizens, we need to address how they deal with us in the medical world because they're killing us too. You know, black women die in a die more in childbirth like 70 more percent than everybody else you know women of color it's it's ridiculous and it is because we are mismanaged they don't care it's because they call us strong black women which is why an epidural can fall out and he just like it's why somebody could be screaming in pain and agony and you can fix your lips to say shut up instead of you're doing great Instead of you're amazing, you know how strong you are. This is going to be a great child. Instead of coaching somebody, you incompassionate fuck, <laughs> you tell somebody to shut up.
0: I'm so glad you joined us. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, she adds a flavor to this conversation.
2: Sorry for I'm my like. language.
0: No, it's good. Keep going. But,
2: but, so my sister, she's a part of this group called Mocha Medicine. And it is all black female surgeons. And because of the disparities that we have in the medical system, like they literally whenever their family members have to go to the hospital for something serious like cancer, like childbirth, they literally make recommendations within their group because we don't trust these motherfuckers. Because you can't trust them. They have given us every reason not to. So they have like a league of, I mean, brilliant Ivy League educated black women. And we and they, you know, make sure even when it's family members, you know, even I, I had a surgery um, recently a, a couple of years ago because I had a tumor and they vetted the doctor out. You know, my sister called him and had, hey, what you doing? What's your plan? What's going on? And, you know, because you have to do it.
0: And Well, well, can I interrupt you just for one second? Because you brought up a good point, Mimi. And I want to ask Gina, were you able to vet your doctor before? Or did you get a referral?
1: It was literally like I showed up at the hospital not knowing that my doctor that I had seen throughout my whole pregnancy was not delivering anymore. So I showed up expecting to see my doctor.
0: Oh, and I say that happens a lot.
1: And then this guy was just... I I was just handed to him and like I went from excited to petrified within a matter of hours. Like I was so excited to meet my baby. I was so excited when my water broke and then I was just petrified. Like,
0: oh man, I'm so sorry that happened. Cause that is like, you know, I'm listening to your story and then Mimi continue, but I, I I just want to say, right. You know, like, you know, not to put her out there but Rachel Feinstein is white you know she's jewish but she's white right so i listened to her story of 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 during the pandemic of having a baby and then compared to your story it's complete opposites and then when we talk about the comedy scene and how they take care of like or don't take care of women of color this is what i'm talking about this is the this is the angle that we don't hear about when we talk about women of color in comedy
1: because a lot of it is treated like we're overreacting and that it's not that bad. It's the same thing with doctors too. I was treated like I was overreacting. I was treated like I shouldn't be screaming that much, like I shouldn't be reacting that way. I was treated like I was a crazy person. And it wasn't until my son was in my arms and the doctor was out of the room that the nurse said to me, "I'm going to report that doctor." Ooh. And and she was like the way that he conducted himself was disgusting. And unprofessional. And then a second nurse who heard me screaming through the door, told my husband he was also going to report that doctor
0: because he so, heard. What so was going what? On. Oh, you're talking to the person right now. So wait, hold on. Mm-hmm. So can you follow up on this? And and are you? Because
1: I followed up with the hospital, of course.
0: <laughs> there, there's a wall around him, isn't it? They do that.
1: There is a wall of protection around this person that. It's so unfair because even the hospital staff, after hearing my story, I could sort of see it in their face where they were just like pained because they knew nothing was going to come of it. Because they're like, you can't because you had a healthy baby, because nothing was wrong with your baby. Thank God. That means this man did nothing wrong. He did his job.
0: Can we blast him? I mean, like, see, this is the the thing. This makes me so angry because I've I've gone through this with the doctor recently where I was trying to, you know, they give you the survey, they tell you to report your experience, but then, you know, I know someone who works with, and they were like, there's just a wall of protection. There's no way in. But I do think that a lot like the Me Too, maybe if we start calling out the names of these doctors. And here's the
1: issue with that. Yeah, tell me. He could easily come after me for defamation of character and sue me for putting his name out there and putting him in jeopardy or putting his job in jeopardy.
0: That's what I thought, but is there a way we could figure out around that? Um, I would
1: love to figure out a way around it. Cause there's nothing more than I'd like than to never have a woman go through what I went through uh, under his care. I would, I would love that more than anything else to never have a woman experience that because, and I told him this when he gave a very half-hearted apology, he found my hotel, uh, hospital room and he came to my room and he said to me, I'm sorry I wasn't soft enough with you. Is That was his apology.
0: Soft?
1: Yes. And I literally was like, I looked at him and I said, you ruined the birth of my son. You've ruined the one memory that should have been something I cherished. And I will never get that back. And it was just like, I can't believe that you've just whittled it down to I wasn't soft enough with you.
0: You know what's interesting about this is I, I talked to this therapist, Dr. Judith Joseph, who's come on the show, and she I was asking her, what can we do to get doctors to treat us like we're human? And she was like, just check in with them. Maybe they had a bad day. But in this situation, it's like this guy is just playing God. He's got a God complex, and maybe he's worried about his vacation. But like,
1: not to be unfair <laughs> – to doctors, but Mm -hmm. it's like what they say about cops. You can't afford to have bad apples. Your job is too important. So I'm really sorry if you're stressed and tired. I really have empathy for how hard you work. But also if I'm giving birth, I don't give a shit about how you're feeling in that moment because your job is definitely to make sure that i feel safe and secure and that i have this baby in the best mental condition because my biggest thing was my son was still attached to me for the majority of this trauma which means my panic was his panic my anxiety was his anxiety and it just seems like people don't make that connection as to why my son is anxious he's
0: an anxious baby Oh man, that makes me so upset. There's gotta be so Mimi, your sister, do they do they deal with like interventions or you know, like is there a Yelp? I know I see reviews for doctors all the time online.
2: Yeah, you know, like they're they're like a, a secret coalition of, of doctors. They got like a Facebook group. You know, not a lot of people. You you got to know one of the doctors in it to get in it. I've tried to make them go official and like get a website and stuff, but like right now it's just brilliant. You know, um, black surgeons that keep a network, and whenever their family goes through stuff, we don't play about us. So we they're gonna make sure that you get the best care. And yeah, they do interventions because like sometimes people come into the situation and they'll be like, listen. I wasn't comfortable with, you know, um, their diagnosis. I wasn't comfortable with, with what they said I should do. What do y'all think? What are y'all thoughts on on uh, moving forward with with cancer, with with birth plans, and you know, they they will all collectively give their opinion. And a lot of times, when that person wasn't comfortable, they were absolutely right not to be comfortable. And 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 what they thought was night and day versus what you know this other physician thought so so again with you know um not telling us different herbs and and different teas and stuff to drink to make sure that you know when you give birth like everything you were saying all the natural stuff that you're supposed to have and do you know like, oh
0: they never talk about they that they don't all. talk about it that if you bring it up i even with cancer if you bring up stuff they look, they're like, oh, like I, I remember telling my doctor how I was doing celery juice cleanse. She's like, how much do you buy? And I was like, what? <laughs> like, where, are you going to give me any input as to how it's helpful? She was like, is that a bulk? Like you buy like a bulk of celery? That's a lot of celery. <laughs> I know, but it's like, even if you talk to them about like, when I, when I mentioned I take this herbal tea, you know, from my um, herbalist, they just—you could see the glaze. It's just they're—they're they're not. They don't listen to that part because that doesn't make them money,
1: sugar. That don't make. And them it's not money. in their.
0: It's not a, It doesn't make them money, and it's not in their, in their training. It's not
2: in their training. That is that is the most important part. It's not in their training, and you know I I said you know time and time again that our country needs to reexamine all of our systems, our healthcare system, our our uh, prison system our justice system our you know every our education system because it was built by our oppressors so everything that that we have in place was actually built to 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 make us infertile to make us suffer you know because they were built by people that own slaves you know people
1: like what well, people don't understand and i'm so glad you brought that up mimi because it was a conversation i was having this weekend we uh, i was in i was in virginia this weekend. And i was working with James Goff, my bestie, and we were talking to some of the staff there and we got into this discussion about how (laughs) when it comes to everything that we know, everything this country has been built on, it was built by the oppressors. All the laws, all the rules, they were all made to benefit white people. And that's what people do not see when they look at the system itself it was built by the white men that were in power for white men that were in power
0: so so you brought up a good point cuz i do want to get one topic in while you're still while you're here yes um since and this is good for you because you're going you're raising you know you he's going to be going to school soon how do you feel about oh well, i'm a him? Oh, you're going to homeschool? 100%. I'm
1: going to homeschool my son. I don't trust the education system. I apologize to any teachers that are out there. I'm sure you work hard and some of you are amazing. But because you have to be so married to the system, like they make you be married to this curriculum, it's unfair to the teachers that want to reach out and do other things. I'm definitely homeschooling my son.
0: Well, if you ever need any advice for homeschooling, my, my one of my closest friends from like years, she's been homes- She homeschooled. Five kids, wow. So she's and she knows what she's doing. So she's in she's in Minnesota, but if you you know, I definitely would recommend you have a conversation with Stephanie. She's great. I plan to have her on the show to talk about that because I'm sure like homeschooling became during the pandemic. all the parents who did homeschooling were like, "Hey, we got this, you know, yeah. But um, I'm looking at how, and I've had these conversations on other podcasts about, you Know white parents and how they feel about their children, their white children learning about black history and the and America's history. It's not just black history, it's America's history. Now, what I've learned teaching the Tulsa race massacre for two decades, um, this guy Hannibal Johnson wrote, chair of the education committee for 1921 Tulsa race massacre, Centennial Commission, writes in New York Times opinion piece, all Americans need powerful and profound experiences to stow compassion and empathy, particu- particularly as we grapple with the issues of historical historical racial trauma. One example of such profound educational experience, students at Mayo Dem- Demonstration School in Tulsa spent weeks working on a scale model of Tulsa's Black Wall Street. They toured the neighborhood, created businesses, and planned a celebration for the end. The night before the celebration, teachers set the model on fire and let the students return to school to see their work destroyed. This was, on a much smaller scale, what it felt like for the people of Tulsa to lose their homes. Now, this is a long paragraph, but how do we feel about like this? Like, Because I feel like we've gone back and forth between how these teachers are to teach the history of what happened to African Americans. Like... White people, I don't know if I can trust them to do it right. No, white people are not doing
2: it. Just, they haven't done it. They never have embraced the history of slavery in, in a in a historical um, way. They've only, they only addressed it in a historical way, which is, uh, you know, fraudulent. You know, uh, black people were servants. Uh, they were in servitude and all that bullshit. They don't want to tell the real story because it, in their mind, it paints them as uh, villains, but it's history, it's just what it is. you gotta call it what it is and for anybody to uh for us to move forward, we have to have an understanding of what the past and and the fact that they are ashamed of the history mean they're continuing to um continue to lie in the future about what it what it means to be so hated, I mean, the vilified, black people being so vilified that you would destroy them, destroy, dehumanize them, and destroy property, destroy lives. And until we reckon with that uh, that history, we'll, we we own the course for January the 6th all over again. Because that's all it comes down to. January 6th is just a rehashing of uh, racial grievance. They, they think it's their country. And we think, uh, I mean, and when I say we, I'm talking about the collective of diverse populace of Americans. We believe that the country is everybody's, yeah, not just white people's country.
1: And the thing is, when you talk about this stuff being taught in schools, there's so much fear surrounding the truth of the history. It's like you don't want to traumatize your kids because you don't want to tell them the truth. But what's going to happen later on in life when they find out that the base for their education is essentially a falsehood. It's essentially a lot of stuff, half truths.
2: They don't fall out. I don't know if
1: you've ever followed Twitter,
2: but these Republicans are are, are dumb as fuck when it comes to uh american
1: history everything mm-hmm. they
2: I, well, in, well in general I, I, but uh
1: i think they I play, play dumb, dumb more than, than they, they are dumb. because
2: a lot of them come from these uh republican districts where they don't teach american history in the terms of slavery of terms of what happened to the uh uh the indigenous people that were here and what how they do how they were destroyed uh they don't talk about those and so when we have a conversation about things they are so fucking crazy with these ideas of what they have, because they have never been, uh, uh, exposed to the truth. You
1: well, know, that's what I'm saying. There's an uprising of a lot of people that find out these truths about our history. And they're just like, what, this was a thing that actually happened. There's documentation that this happened. And I was never taught this. Like there's so much of that, that happens when they get older, because you're to avoid teaching the painful parts of history that paint white people in such a negative light. And it's like, you try to avoid that, but eventually when this comes out, they're going to know it. So it's much better to have it explained to a young child. Like, Hey, this is, I remember reading a story recently, and I know that this may be a little too progressive for a lot of people, but there was a little boy or, um, there was a little boy, I think it was a little boy or a little girl who had said to his parents that, you know, this child thought, that this child was transgender. Like, I feel like I'm transgender. And the parent was like, okay, well, why do you feel that way? And it was because in school they were being taught about the different um, identities, these different sexual identities, these different things. And there was one person in the class that said they felt like they were transgender. And because that student was alone, this other student felt so such empathy that he said, I wanted to say the same thing so they wouldn't be alone. And it was like such a beautiful moment of that child understanding, like, I don't know if I'm really like this, but I wanted to be there. Cause after talking with the parent, you know, the child was like, I don't know if it's real, but I just didn't want this person to feel alone. It was, I was so sad for them that they were the only person that said that. And that's a beautiful thing to teach a child that young, that kind of empathy for another human being. Instead of looking at all of this stuff as so negative and dangerous and confusing, half of the time it's just confusing because people don't want to spend the time to explain to their children. They don't want to sit down and have difficult discussions with their children. And that's kind of the stuff that I keep in the back of my mind of like, I'm going to have to talk to my son about stuff like this, about race, the history of, you know, he's half white, half Puerto Rican. So he's how gonna-
0: young. How young do you think? Cause that's, that's been the debate as to what age You start these conversations. Um,
1: I think, obviously, he's barely a year now. It's hard to have. You can't have conversations now, but you can teach through emotion. You can teach patience. You can teach understanding. I can have my son around different races of people not just one type of person. I can have my son around gay people. I can have my son around straight people. I can have my son around bi, around transgender people, all, all different people so that it's not a shock to his system. And that I'm not trying to shelter him and keep him from stuff, but rather have him see the world as it is. The world is, that he will exist in and teaching him about consent. It's even now starting, starting now, what I'll do is I'll be like, can I kiss you? And if he pushes me away, I'll go, okay, I can't
0: kiss you. Right. I think that's so important. I do that with my niece now too. And I never did that before. I go, I ask if it's okay.
1: Because we don't, we don't teach consent at a, a young age. What we teach them is that if I want to kiss you, if I want to pinch your cheeks, I can because I'm the grown up. And that doesn't, a child just, I remember being a frustrated kid when people would hug me that I didn't want hugging me. And because I felt like I had to, my son's awake now, I see him in the monitor. (laughs) Uh, Because I felt like I had to, I would automatically just like, I would be like, okay, I guess I have to hug this person, even though they make me feel uncomfortable. What I want to teach my son is that you don't have to hug anybody. You don't have to let anybody kiss you. If you feel uncomfortable, or you just don't want to be touched in that moment, you can tell them, no, thank you. Which also teaches him consent for other people exactly and that's the point teaching consent for yourself so you understand consent from other people
0: so now I'm going to squeeze out one more topic before you go and then I want sh- well first I want to say Gina you're special I told you this in person that when I went home you know I don't watch I'm not one to watch specials of other comics because I I pick up a lot from people. So I'll end up doing it in my act. That's really what it is. I I hear that from choreographers and dancers, too.
1: They're like, I can't watch other people.
0: I impersonate. I do characters and I take on people's personas. So I got to be careful. But I happened to watch. I was home and I turned and I got locked into your special It was so great. And I love the way you closed it too. It was very heartfelt and it was serious and it was necessary. How did you feel when this is a churn about Paul Mooney? Like we lost a really great, great comedian. Um,
1: Paul was so influential in so many ways that people didn't even know. Like just working behind the scenes, being Richard Pryor's like right hand for so many projects and like, this is why I think it's so important that comics know the history of stand-up comedy and they know like who the legends were and why they were legends. And like Paul and I had some really great interactions at the Laugh Factory in New York when he would show up and literally harass Jamie Masada in such a hilarious way. Cause they had known each other for years and he was just so, what I loved about him was how fearless he was. Paul did not care what you thought of him, what you thought of his opinions, or what you thought of his act—it did not matter to him. If half the audience walked out because they didn't agree, he was going to say what he wanted to say. And you don't find a lot of people with that kind of conviction.
2: I uh, I was uh, in Georgia at the time. I was in Atlanta, living in Atlanta, and he came. I think it was. It could have been shortly after Chappelle or whatever, but he was known for Chappelle, and so I was the. The the house MC at an all black club, but with this particular weekend, because it was him on the bill, uh, these legions of white people it was like probably 50 60 percent white, uh, uh, versus black, and uh, so and I was like, mm, this is gonna be interesting, <laughs> yeah. And he did not, he did not, I'd been watching him all week, he did not change his routine one iota. And it's just uh, just uh, just hordes of white people just walking out of after about 30 minutes oh, just they walking. Did walk out. Yeah, some did. Uh, uh, a lot did actually, but uh, it didn't stop him. It didn't stop him, and, and sometimes he would, you know, uh, say something funny as they were walking out or whatever, whatever. but uh, he definitely was uh, true to it. He's like, "I don't give a fuck. I got your money." I don't even think it was that. It was just like this is how I feel, and also he's he was born in a time where I don't know where he was born, but he's also he's born came up with during um, uh, Richard Pryor where black uh, people in general uh, were treated so. Terribly by white. Oh, people? I think Gina. Wait, hold that thought. Give me
1: one second. Gina I'm gonna be right to... back. Pat,
0: continue what you're saying. I'm gonna be right. Oh, okay. Back. All right. Okay. I know you have a heart out.
2: Yeah, but I'm just saying it's treated so horribly by white people, and to be able to make money from telling them to the truth to their face, I think uh, that's just something I feel like, to a large degree, uh, you you know had a lot of black performers that had that felt they were obligated to, you know, kind of toe the line so they could make money, and then there was a group. There was a group that said, hey, I'm just I'm just going to lay it all out there.
0: You know, you just brought up a good point because we're talking about Tulsa and keeping it out of the education. And it's it's it, this is why white people leave because oh. they're not they're oh. so not used to getting the stories. Right? Wow, that baby's adorable. Oh. Uh,
2: excuse me, my ovaries.
0: <laughs> <Can>
2: you- <laughs> Hi, little little prince look at you i
0: try gina i tried to make him laugh so hard when i was out there by the you know it's like if i can't make a baby i had to take my mask down i was like oh please smile
2: please smile Smile at me please. i think babies are easy to make laugh it's third graders
0: well gina i know you have to i don't want to keep you because i know you have to get out can you tell our listeners where they can find you. Um,
1: You can find me. You guys can find me on Instagram at G Brion. Actually, it's at Gina Brion now. I just changed it. Um, And on TikTok at G Brion 80, uh, which is probably the best way to reach me. I do have a Facebook. It's Gina Brion. But if you contact me via Facebook, be patient because it's going to take me a while to get back to you. Um, <laughs> you can check out my special The Floor is Lava on Amazon. Um, You can <laughs> you can also see tons of pictures of my son on either my Instagram or my uh tiktok um when with friends like us you will always feel supported and safe
0: oh nice
1: yeah, when he wants kisses he pulls me in close and that's how he lets me know and that's also how he lets me know he wants to give me kisses like he'll just pull me in and rub his nose and his mouth against my cheek
2: Congratulations, baby. I didn't even know, but that's a it's marvelous thing. Thank
1: you so much.
0: Yes, congratulations. Say bye, everybody. Mommy's all mine. (laughs) (laughs) Bye guys. Thank you so much. Um, so Paul Mooney.
2: He's from he's from Louisiana. So, you know, he's from a, a, a slave state, you know, so absolutely he has experienced insane amounts of racism. You know, like it's so that's why he is the way he is. And I, I appreciate and love comedians that feel an obligation to say something on stage, you know, like they're And and even I appreciate all comedians, you know, even ones that, you know, joke about farts, whatever. It's it's somebody for everybody, you know, like, for the world, everybody, the world is yes. full of diverse people, you know, everybody not going to be woke. But I appreciate the, the comedians that have an obligation and really, you know, uh, be preaching on stage. You know, I think that's, um, I, Paul Mooney, I work with Dick Gregory and, (laughs) and Dick Gregory just didn't give a fuck. He too, he too had white people walking out. And I was just like, wow. Like, do you know who Dick Gregory is? Why would you even come here? Same thing with Paul Mooney. Do you know Paul Mooney? (laughs) Like,
0: I don't feel like we have any, do we have someone like that? today
2: um that is
0: like unapologetically you know have white people walk black. out black um well just that, that can really tell it like it is and, and, and really be he's like a folklore they're both like folklores and they educate white people on their i
2: think dale Hughley is that that's right um i think that damon think so. damon you don't think so i, th- I think he's he's Trying to grow into that, but I don't think he's, he's been that throughout his career. I mean, he is that now. I think he's been that way since he has a radio show, and, uh, and it's not about doing stand-up, because the stand-up is not necessarily that. I think he's more activist now uh, from his radio platform, but I don't think that's necessarily who he was as a stand-up, as we know him as a stand-up. Well, I've recently been working with him and touring with him. He's definitely that. What no, what okay. you yeah what you see on the podcast that is what is on stage it is him he evolved yeah yeah he definitely has evolved that is that is a hundred percent who he is and he has been that for a while like if you look at his his special contrarian and he's talking about racial inequality and justice that was two thousand seventeen so um or sixteen uh, so he he's been that way for for a minute now. Um, I think Damon Wayans is that he too had white people walk out. <laughs> I'm just
0: like I'm thinking oh, like, I don't know. Damon Wayans is a little
2: mm. I just think um uh, and I will say this about uh what it means to be I I think to a certain degree, uh Chappelle could has uh has phases of that where he's a, a truth teller, but then again, also, I, I feel like it's, it's a balance and the balance is fair because also I think nobody is one way. You know what I'm saying? You're not just an activist. You also are somebody that might appreciate this or you have a, a interest in something else that you want to talk about on stage. So I think there to be honest to who you are and what you want to be on stage is 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 important. And I, I think we had we had in the 60s, we we had some of those. Those uh, people, and just like you were talking about, Dick Gregory. Dick Gregory, at one point, was the highest, highest rated college comedian. So he was talking to white colleges, and then he became progressively more and more just radical in their view. And so he, you know, he, that it, it, it came down his, his, his. his they didn't, he, they didn't book him as much or as often because he became more and more radical. He, even though. Like if you see his uh, Tonight Shows and whatever, they are are pushing a lot of the envelope, but he even went further than that. So,
0: yeah. I just find that so fascinating because they were both older men and it's like, you know, where we're looking now at the younger generation versus the older generation and the conversations where the younger generation thinks older people tap out of struggle and pain. But then you look at someone like Dick Gregory and Paul Mooney, like they were consistent all the way through. I don't, I, as far as I know, it doesn't look like they ever had to evolve or that they skipped a beat on it.
2: Well, I, I will say this, and I was thought you were speaking to comedy. I feel like you have to have a certain amount of uh, age and wisdom to discuss uh, certain uh, complex uh, subjects on stage. And and I don't, don't feel, feel like funny. younger, I don't feel, yeah, and to make funny, I don't feel like younger comics ha- have that uh, life experience and the, uh, the know-how to make that those those topics funny but when we're talking about activism uh that's usually where it is activism usually starts with the younger generation and you follow G- George Floyd is a perfect example Th- that was mostly headed by you know young adults who were out there on you know uh walking but when we're talking about stand-up comedians it's it's going to be more of a middle-aged comic because they have the life experience and also the, uh, professional experience to make that funny, make it more. I want,
0: well, I guess, you know, that's a story I would like to see is how both comed, both, um, oh my God, I'm, um, I'm blanking but about how both comedians basically ev- did they evolve into like, were they always activists do you know what I mean? Like, I don't have Dick Gregory's. I have a book from. I think I have, I have Dick Gregory's book. You know, the N word, <laughs> basically. So, like, I'm gonna read it. But I, like, I just, we, you know, like, we're in this age of not a lot of people authentic. You know, Paul Mooney was so authentic.
2: So I, I feel like everybody is is different in how they deliver it, and so that's how we. I guess, digest their level of activism, but that's just people, that's just their personalities. That's just how they feed the information to you. So I feel like Chappelle, yeah, he woke, but he put a lot of sugar on his shit. You know what I'm saying? Like he don't shit on white people like Paul Mooney did and like Dick Gregory did. He puts a lot of sugar on it and it's, it's more palatable for white people to digest. So you're not going to get white people walking out of Chappelle shows you know, he'll give you some truths, but it ain't, it ain't like the hard truths that, you know, that they really, I think it's, he, I think he plays. Like the I, I, I think you and me feel the same way about him. I mean, like he'll, he'll touch on some things, but I, I, it ain't, I kind of agree. yeah, yeah. It ain't, it ain't blistering. <laughs> the motherfuckers can hold on. It's like,
0: Yeah, I'll watch him again. (laughs) And, you know, it's interesting because I just recently did Christina Greer's podcast, which you're going to do, too, Pat. She was asking me that question about, like, uh, as a comedian touching on issues. And I had to really make it clear to her. Not all of us do that. And that's okay. Like, we will touch some of us the way we talk about as black comedians. I'm more subtle. My Mine comes from my subtlety. You know, some people aren't subtle. Some people go right at and some people have to, especially with the time that we've just had, some people need to take a break and that's okay too. But I think it's important for people who don't understand comedians, that comedians have their journey. They have they evolve. They have the time they feel they want to talk, discuss something. And if they don't want to, especially as black comedians, if they don't want to discuss it, they have the right to not discuss it. But I think the assumption, the assumption that we're all going to be like a Paul Mooney or a Dick Gregory, you know, is, you know, it's, it's the wrong assumption. Not all black comics want to do that. Oh,
2: absolutely. No, it um, diversity is important because the world is diverse. So when when we're all searching for our people, you know, as as comedians, you know, when we find in our fans, those are our people. Those are people that can get into the shit we into. They can, they can dig what you saying on stage or what you say in podcasts or whatever. So that's why they follow you. It's some people that aren't that complex. That's not gonna be, you know, over your your material because that's not who they are. That's not where they're at as a person. You know, so that's why you have rappers like like a J. Cole. You know, it's somebody who favorite rapper is Kendrick Lamar and J. Cole. And it's another favorite rapper who is Soldier Boy. You know what I'm saying? Like Soldier Boy is the greatest of all times to them. So, so it's important for comedians to do do you. Do you don't be afraid to do you because there's somebody out there that's gonna fuck with you. That's at your level, that's going to find you and, you know, and and
0: fuck with your campaign. Speaking of doing you, um, I just got to play this.
2: Um, There are more women on this planet than men. Um, In the United States, we have about a quarter of our population in jail. Um, Another quarter of our population identifies as LGBTQ. So with that being said, it is a nigga shortage out here. There's a shortage of available good niggas out here. So, if all you bitches that think you deserve your own nigga, like your own personal nigga, like that's only yours, like okay, it's some women that do, but are you that bitch? Like, what do you bring to the table and make you think you deserve your own nigga? And it's a nigga shortage. Sis, grow up. You have to share that nigga. That's our nigga. Here's
0: a little fun fact. I love it. I didn't- and that got thirty three thousand
2: views. Wait, that was only on my page. That that thing got shared millions of times. It has like millions of views. It got it has like a million views on Worldstar.
0: That's incredible. I mean, that you hit on something. That's the thing. You know,
2: I like, get so much hate mail for that video. Oh my god! I'm sure. I'm I, sure, I I, uh, I have to. I just hate when you motherfuckers always say uh, you got twenty five percent gay people. It's gay men and gay women. Did they? That takes you out. So it's not. like, No, no. This is my point. It's just like you can make your statement without bringing us into it. That's all I'm saying. Uh, that's the whole point. I understand it's a joke and whatever, whatever, and it's funny and what all that. But I'm just that's saying. That, but that, yeah. But you always bring this and like somehow, like gay men are are the reason why uh, women are single. That's not the truth. There's just as many gay w- women. As there are gay men, so they cancel each other out. So I don't understand that. It was, it was, it was meant to it was meant to enhance the joke. Don't That's, explain your shit to me. I understand what the shit is. <laughs> it was what was the joke. You know, see, we got a hundred million mean, hits on World Star. I don't mean shit. <laughs> you do it like the people on Instagram who are internalizing. A joke. So many people internalized that. It was crazy. Like I seen a comment that said, bitch, I wish you would. I will dig them green eyes out your head. But, but, but not, okay. A thousand likes. I'm like, yeah, but what, so you're saying what, but this is, this is what I'm asking you. This is a question I'm asking you. So you're asking people not to assume that is not your real opinion. If people are saying, thinking that that is your real opinion, they may or might have opinions on your opinion. But if you're saying, Oh, it's just a joke, then, then I don't think that's, that's fair to the people that because you're saying, you're saying it like it's your opinion. It's like, it's fact. It is, it is, it is meant, it is meant to spark conversation. It has some truth in it and it has some false things, but if, if the shoe fits, if the shoe fits, I then, don't understand what you said. What so was Everybody. Okay. So, so my, my thing was, this is what I meant by that video. Right. Every, everybody, isn't, for us. everybody isn't meant to be monogamous. Every person, every, every person period may not be built for monogamy. Are those people not deserving of relationships? Oh, I didn't get that at all. <laughs> right, I didn't get that on. Is That was your point, second, right? Because it was a forty-second deal. Of course, there's is there's layers to what I've been talking about. There are. I feel like men are complex. Not just men. People are complicated, right? Some and 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 for some reason, sex, you know, is is a big deal for guys. They they need it. They want it all the time. You know, they literally. Get blue balls. Blue balls is a real thing where your nuts will swell up if you don't beat off and get rid of some of the sperm. You will collect too much sperm if you don't beat some of it out. It's a real thing. So if we we have natural (laughs) urges and desires, if we have natural urges and desires to have sex and we're built to have sex. The white man constructed of what we think our marriage and an institution of relationship is supposed to be, and that's not even our institution or of of marriage. Our people have multiple wives. The, it, in in Africa, men have multiple wives, and that is and Ooh, that
0: I would not have worked out in that situation. But,
2: but I'm saying it, it's not for everybody. Everything ain't for everybody. Some people that's gonna be meant for some people is not. Some men are complicated and it takes a lot to make these motherfuckers happy. And as people, they are going to inherently search for happiness and it takes a lot to make them happy. And as women, sometimes it takes more than one of you to make a nigga happy because they are they are they are needy as fuck. And sometimes I don't got it in me to do all the shit you want to do to make you fucking happy. If you got to go somewhere else to get that little other piece of happiness that you are so much missing. But this is my, this is my point. And I feel like this is what probably uh, a lot of women are picking up. Your support is aligning with uh, a kind of, it almost verges on, uh misogyny about like women w- we we can need to do this so we can have a man we need to do that so we can have a man, but not not men don't have to do anything so we can have them or they are that are that last comment about our contributions to a relationship is not as important as 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 having a man in your life, and I feel like that downplays one a a uh relationship and and secondly what both sexes bring to a relationship. Now, when we can get on monogamy or poly- polygamy, not, that's not the... Monogamy and polygamy. Not polygamy is not that. Um, that's no, polygamy is not what I'm thinking. Monogamy is just two people. When I'm saying what polyamorous people were, is multiple. That's different from monogamy. That's That means if I want to have a relationship with two males and if you want to have a relationship with uh two women then we discuss that we have a relationship we talk about it but that is a relationship is two which also has rules and also has uh boundaries uh but that's different from what you're saying you're saying but is, but that's not but it's not no but I, can i finish cuz you you go you ahead would, go okay ahead. but what what you it, what you have implied by your video is that somehow we have to. Uh, women have to adjust ourselves and all these do all these calisthenics for men, and men don't have to do anything but show up and have reap the goods of having multiple women. And that's not necessarily what a lot of women think is. uh it benefits women and it, it demeans women.
0: Okay, it demeans so
2: the women's contributions. Go okay, ahead. so so what what I meant was that isn't that is for men and women you know uh so i again it was a 40 but it was a 40 second clip i can't say everything in 40 seconds (laughs) i was literally (laughs) your your whole focus was on you bitches better be uh be uh, open to wait but hold on let me let me, let me finish let me let me finish what i was saying let me finish what i was saying that is that isn't even meant for every man. Every man, you not you not built to have more than one woman. You don't deserve, or like you you should probably not even have one. And and there are some women you dynamic enough to have a couple niggas yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, I may like I I may
0: have a lot. You're just going making on. me laugh. That's all that matters.
2: Right I right. may have a lot going on, and you know, sex. For some reason, it be solving issues. Motherfuckers be stressed out. You fuck and you be okay. I don't know why it is that way, but sex is important. It is it is it has caused so much like relationships and shit to end. Why be so focused on why it's so important, but just understand that it is and that people are cheating anyway. So why so why even make people people lie and sneak because of something that's natural to them? But who's making them? This is like this is we're in 2021. Nobody's making anybody get married. Marriage the the level of marriages have been down. There are polyamorous relationships, and it's in they're they're discussing and it's open. It's nobody's at uh is making saying saying that people have to be in a uh monogamous relationship. The the whole thing that's duplicative about uh relationships is that a, a a partner will get in a relationship. And, and they will cheat and can be a continuous cheater in relationship without letting let other person know. And that uh, per- other person might be open to a open relationship, but they're getting cheated on by somebody that's uh saying that uh presents as if the relationship is monogamous, but are aren't, and that's duplicitous. And so a lot of people in a male and female don't want to don't want to be honest about what they, their needs are. And when you're talking about sex, yes, sex is important. But I tell you what's more important than sex. And a lot of times that we have sex because we are emotionally immature and we can't discuss what our feelings are. A lot of times when you hurt and you're uh, uh, you're uh, uh, ashamed or whatever, you want to have sex to feel something. But we, if we could discuss those relationships or discuss those feelings, sex wouldn't be as crucial Necessary. to to hope to hold on to a relationship if we could communicate that's what i'm saying to you and uh let
0: me let me just say this i'm over a certain age where i don't even think about it and it's a blessing because i'm starting to the i need emotional relationships not sexual relationships i, I thought about being this age and i am relieved that my clock is not ticking because there was a time where I would walk around and be like, I need to fuck, yeah. And so I would not invest in the h- human in front of me. I wouldn't listen. I wouldn't dissect what I need as to sustain my life. Yeah, Um, that, that's admitting to the to poor choices. Me too. <laughs> oh yeah, poor choices based yeah, exactly. on sex. Yeah. Um and I think men could admit to that too. The the what you brought up Mimi is a good point. The, the tragedy of them is that they are dominate the sex controls a lot of how they make their decisions throughout the day. And um so it's like you're both kind of saying the same things like Pat's just, you know.
2: So uh, so so I I look at like Bill and Melinda Gates, right? Like Melinda is divorcing him because she found out he had an affair. Like, bitch, are you crazy? This nigga invented the internet. You know how much nasty shit he done seen and want done to him? I would send him out to a prostitute my fucking self. Hey, I got this bad bitch. I know you've been watching all this shit at work. I'm, not gonna, <laughs> I'm had, not gonna do that. He's had several affairs. That's I don't I don't think that's necessarily why they're uh, they're that they're was getting. Why, yeah, that was no. The they, he's had, he's he's had several of it's, it's 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 always it's uh, I mean the even the affair that they're talking about that they, they had that was literally over 20 years ago, and she also had a problem with him hanging out with Epstein, the the guy that killed himself and or supposedly killed himself in jail and what that might have partake but it's more about uh them growing apart their interests were starting to diverge that's what the bigger thing was because it already weathered the storm of adultery several times that wasn't it and it's what we're talking about right now you want a partner that you can talk to that walks with you along your journey and they they were growing apart that's what it is and they with the 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 article I read was saying that he's uh into a uh uh doing something about climate change and she was working with kids and uh dealing with uh younger women uh and, and uh child poverty so their their paths were diverging that's more of their the reasons that they got a divorce Well let us be clear that both Bill and Melinda are mass murderers again and have committed insane crimes against humanity google it google it i don't know that that
0: part of the conversation i yeah i I mean
2: okay so 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 this is what i want to tell you about bill gates talks about um climate change a lot and his always when he talks about climate change his solution is always depopulation and him and Melinda have always been have been going around to poor black countries, claiming that they're helping them, teaching them about reproduction. but the shit that they do to them, these like black women, hundreds of them have turned up uh, infertile, like can't have children. And it is because you cannot, trust a billionaire that always talks about depopulating the planet. Cause what you need to know is when you got somebody that's used to making shit happen. And if they're talking about it, they're doing it. Bill Gates family started Planned Parenthood. His family. Yes. Google it. His family. His families are the founders. The problem with Google, I just want
0: to say this, the, well, no, let, let me let me let me just say this. Let me just say this. I, I'm sure that what you're saying is has some validity to it. I just don't I haven't read up on it, so I can't comment. And also there's a I have issues with Googling because Googling is skewed based on a lot of like you have to have sources that are reliable. The, when I when you say Google, I say well, so Google which reliable sources that can give me the information I need and not the information that sounds like conspiracy. That's all.
2: No, um, I mean, you can see the lawsuits against him. Those are real. And you can also look at him. And this is what I'm saying didn't come from a conspiracy theorist video. I'm looking at the man. I look at his speeches. I look at him talking about um, depopulating the planet. And I just know rich people. I know when rich people talk, they do it. He's not just saying something for his health. If he's saying that the population needs to shrink by 15%, by 2035 and then and then also in 2012 he talked about a a pandemic happening in 2020 how did you know a pandemic was going to happen in 2020 in 2012 they were already they were prepared for the eventuality because of uh the uh bird flu because of uh um what was SARS. it the, uh, s- sars it was uh, it was it there's was, a lot of scientists a hot lot of scientists that. said there's going to be another it's going to be another pandemic because of because it's, was, a virus, but, okay, but, it's a but virus it's a virus being you know? spread through from a from a uh, animal to humans and it's only so a matter of time before it reaches a mass pandemic level it wasn't it wasn't a, it was it was an educated guess. just like we said, it's going to rain. So do it's you guys slow. not understand, do you not understand, do you guys not understand that there are diseases that are created to depopulate the world? You don't understand that HIV is a man-made disease. It, it is. It was a disease created because we do have a population problem. He's not lying. You know what I'm saying? And he could be considered a necessary evil because everything he's saying is absolutely true. We do have a global warming problem. You can even see it as as people from Chicago, as people from New York. Our winters are different. They're shorter. You know, like we used to have winter from October to May in in fucking Chicago sometimes. I remember trick-or-treating in the snow before. Now winter starts in December and and it and it ends in, you know, maybe April. The what he's saying is not wrong. And and to depopulate he the said world, is, what he's saying is ninety percent of what uh, climate scientists are saying that it is. A, so he's not he's not saying anything different. But his idea, his idea of uh, of attacking global warming is murder. my nigga. Like, and they have been thinking of this. Listen, they've been knowing this for years, and that is why the Planned Parenthood started. You know, like it was they 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 having too many kids. You know what I'm saying? Like we gotta we gotta do something about this.
0: How is Planned Parenthood about uh uh Yeah, because Planned Parenthood helped with so many things outside of just Yeah, I,
2: I know I, I get that, but Planned Parenthood also like you you realize we have like 23 million abortions a year. That's not helping with depopulation. Even when we didn't have Planned P- Parenthood, the number of illegal abortions were still in the millions because people Will f- found ways to uh, have abortions. That doesn't change just because you have a legal legalized abortion. I mean, abortion. Of, of course it does. It's of cause, course cause, it does. Because b- women knew that they couldn't take care of a child, or they were raped, or whatever, whatever. And so they abortion has been around since history, since since uh, pregnancy has been around. So I'm talking about so I'm having about legalized abortion. Were, where people are, not, women are not dying in alleyways. Was the, was the remedy for having uh, for having legalized abortions? Where it was, uh, was it? Was it where people weren't hurting themselves? Listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm anti-abortion. I am hundred percent for women's rights and women's rights. Uh, that is choose. not what I think you're saying either. No, but so what? I'm what I'm saying is his reason, their reason was a was depopulation it wasn't compassion i'm not even clear that he's he started black Parenthood. Look, I mean, look at his his family started it his family started it okay. they have been talking about global now war.
0: where are you getting no, me me
2: because i'm educated I'm, and i no, read no
0: okay i got you yeah i'm not disputing it i'm just i want to ask you where are you where are you getting these sources
2: i mean i guess i can i guess i can send you the sources i'll, I'll send please them yeah. please
0: i just yes yeah, I'll and then we can, and then I can have a educated conversation. And we
2: were you. only talking about why they got got a divorce. <laughs> 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 right, but but what i'm right. saying is what i'm saying is you guys so that that so so my point was my point between all that is you and your wife been a part of this and 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 these these global missions to help people and help children and it and the underlining of that has been crimes against humanity they have several lawsuits out against them for coming in saying they're helping and then black women turning up Unable to conceive, their wombs fucking falling out their bodies, damn near. That is, those are facts. though, well, I facts.
0: believe that that.
2: So, so what I'm saying is, how dare you even give a fuck that he's fucking somebody else? Y'all been killing motherfuckers. Who cares? And- I'm just telling you. I was just saying that it them they're not getting divorced because of mere. Uh, uh, I don't think it's the, the 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 job difference either. There are plenty of people that work in different fields. What does that have to do with your ability to be in a the house? They're never somebody? together. That's that's the one thing about them that when they were to toge- they were they were uh, in together a lot. They they had a, they, the same charity. They were on the same board, so they were in the same in the same uh, realm, and so they talked about the same thing. It's just like. If you if you you were in a long distance relationship with somebody and you never came together ev- eventually you want somebody in your space in your area that's what I that's what I said the difference was between them uh them growing apart let's just say this about billionaires in general i i absolutely have a a problem with a person being a billionaire i, I feel like it is uh unethical to Democracy and the scale of their power is, um, uh, is humongous, and I feel like there are human atrocities that happen on the watch of billionaires, because they're, they're, there's no course of action to stop them, prevent them from uh, doing what they're doing. Now, to and not everyone's
0: managing everything that they're
2: doing. Right To specifically say, Bill Gates is doing X,Y,Z, I don't know that. Uh, to say uh, Jeff Bezos doing XYZ, I just don't like the idea of wealth being um, accumulated in just one area. To uh, One person having that much control and power is dangerous to the world order. And I feel and like it's, 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 it's authoritative. It's, it's authoritative. No, authority, authoritative. Nope. I forget the word. I'm fucking it up. But it's on the order of that, but it's just capitalism where one person is in control of everything. And it's just not good for democracy. Uh, in just- so
0: I do, this was really a great conversation. I do want to bring it back to, cause that was, I just was watching this going back and forth.
2: I got I, a heart out know, in one minute.
0: <laughs> <Do> you, <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> I don't know if I can do it, um, but I do want to, I, we just, you know, this is the day after Memorial Day. The world is opening. You guys are both going back to comedy clubs. I'm assuming vaccinated. I just came back from Chicago. Are you vaccinated, Mimi? <laughs> it yeah, makes me feel yeah. like I know. I don't know. I don't, I'm not gonna that, assume that hard out's not gonna happen. If you ask that, but is I do want I do want to ask how you're feeling with the world opening. I mean, I'll I'll say first, like going to Chicago was. I didn't realize how much I needed to be around my family um to get out of the city um to f- the air quality by the way in Chicago is so much better than New York um is especially it? out in par- yes yes especially out in park forest I mean I was out <laughs> here's here's the thing knees face yeah yes bitch yes. it is it is real <laughs> I mean you can you can you can smell the difference of the air the moment you hit Illinois, certain areas obviously are better. But I was out in the suburbs, Park Forest, this is a black Park Forest is now it used to be black and white. It's mostly black. The neighborhoods are so clean. The the to see black families thriving out there, I mean it's changed. You know, there's some obviously there's violence in those areas and that's gotten a little out of control. And my sister's thinking about moving, but as I was driving in the neighborhoods, I'm like, look at how clean this is. And like like the air, like we can live like this and it can be good. It's possible. And people need to, people need to see black people living well and doing well. When we're talking about Tulsa, you know, the anniversary of Tulsa and how they destroyed what we had as we tried to build our own and for ourselves. Like, we need to like continually show that to like our children. We need to talk about it more. We need to improve. Uh,
2: Yes, because um, no one has ever had to answer for all the shit that we've been through in this country. And it's insane. You know, that we haven't received reparations for for slavery, for Jim Crow, you know, for all the massacres. There's so many. It's massacres, they ain't even named. They was just like, oh, we fucked niggas up that day. I can't believe that they haven't gotten reparations for the the, the descendants of Tulsa. That's what oh, I read yeah, today, and that actually burned my ass right there. I was like, Me too. You you always talking about, no, we don't know who to give it to, be because of uh, reparations of uh, slavery was so long ago Tulsa is right there it was 100 years ago you still have the descend- you still have descendants from those people in Tulsa there's a few people from Tulsa that are, are still alive from there That were kids the at the time woman? yeah they 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 just uh was on uh, on the um in this doing uh they were on the and um, on the house committee and they were uh testifying against it so they haven't, uh, Oklahoma hasn't given them any reparations. The 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 little girl that was uh, Ruby, Ruby something, the one that was the little girl that was walking into school and, and all the white mob was yelling at her, you know, um, when she was walking, she was going to school for the first time and, and all these white people yelling at her, she's still alive and she young. So like for them to say that- Oprah gave her a give back. Uh, (laughs) Um, favorite thing when Oprah, uh, no, Oprah had, she had, uh, one of the ladies that, uh, integrated one of the schools. I think it was the Arkansas school, which would have been Ruby. And, uh, she had the, some of the white students who had jeered her and, and call her all this, whatever, whatever. And they, she had them on also, and they were apologizing to her And they were crying. It was a whole big deal. Yeah. Oh, wow. That I want to look that up. But fuck your tears.
0: You need to pay. If I could just say this quote here that comes from that article of what I've learned teaching the Tulsa Race Massacre is like trust building. The larger project of racial reconciliation requires acknowledgement, apology and atonement atonement and here here atonement means reparations motherfucker and it's a work in progress
2: but 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 they are forgetting who the fuck was responsible they dropped bombs they was in planes that was our government doing that shit you hear me y'all y'all who is responsible let's talk about how they were able who had Who has C4 and all type of, that was our government doing that shit and nobody paid for it. So if if she is still alive, them motherfuckers still alive too. I mean, she was a child, but.
0: Yes, I love the way you said them. Them motherfuckers, where they at? But, but nobody,
2: yeah. I feel like nobody has ever had to answer
0: for nothing. None. Of them well, they, like first. the trials, like the Holocaust when they, when they go back. Everybody has
2: received reparations except us. Even the uh, Native Americans to a certain degree have uh, gotten, you know. They got,
0: well, they got casinos, but they got drug and alcohol. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But I mean, they got casinos. That's what I'm saying. They, they had, they gave them a, a means to try to make, uh, have an economic, power so what what i believe reparations should be it it is it is multi-layered um and it's oh i got a. I definitely got a hard out
0: and okay (laughs)
2: this bitch said multi-layered
0: no no no. (laughs) that means gonna be a lot of things we do have to wrap up in like a minute (laughs) okay
2: i think black people shouldn't have to pay taxes I i think black people shouldn't have to pay taxes i think we should get student loan reimbursements because we have had education illegal for 400 years and, and now that it's legal, it costs uh, a half a million dollars to learn. That's insane. You can't withhold education from people. And then when it's finally available, you dangle it over their head like it's a fucking carrot. Other countries have free education. If you have the mind capacity to finish school, you can fucking go to school. And that includes medical school and law school because other countries want their citizens to be, to be successful. Only us do we, uh, what you going to do for this success? You know, how much you going to pay? I got to put you in debt for it. Student loan forgiveness, no taxes, land and money.
0: Oh, how about this? Don't fuck with our, yeah, No, how about this? Throw in and do not fuck with our voting rights. Throw that in there. Because they, that is the major issue. Like we could talk about all this stuff, but you know, if Stacey Abrams did it right, you gotta go where the system is and figure it out, so that they can't vote their people in power, because none of this conversation even matters if we can't vote. None of it. Absolutely. That's the only. That's the reason Oklahoma
2: has never gave given uh, reparations to anybody from Tulsa because though they don't have uh, a voice, and voting is your voice. Your, your voting is saying that these people are deserving. If you're not going to even tell the story honestly, then uh, people are, don't have any empathy to,
0: for, toward your story. I mean, this guy tried to vote out telling the story. Um, what's his name? Governor suck his own uh, dick. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah Kevin <laughs> Governor Kevin Stitt suck his own dick. <laughs> was he was ousted from the 1921 Tulsa race massacre? centennial commission imagine that like he was there you know and the thing is is all these conversations they're having about voting and all all this i think it's like 22 states where they're trying to roll back shit like definitely in texas where they just stopped it it's the same conversations about segregation there there's the jim crow laws i mean it's the same code 2.0 bullshit
2: this is my point that i was going about to make that uh when um uh gina was on here they always say to us about slavery is like, well, it wasn't, it wasn't me. I didn't do any of that. I didn't do any of that. Uh, I didn't have any responsibility towards slaves. My, you know, I, I wasn't a a, a slave owner, but when we're talking about the history of slavery and being truthful about the history of slavery, then somehow it's you. No, my, pe- my kids will be, uh, they feel guilty about that. They'll feel shamed out, but it wasn't you. Right. It's just history. It wasn't you. So why don't you tell the real history? Why can't you tell the real you know, history? I'll tell
0: you why they can't tell the real. Because there's still not clean water in Michigan because they're still redlining us. Because the reality is the, they're is absolutely. You. That's what
2: I'm saying. It is you. Motherfucker. It is you. It, it is, is you. you. And
0: that's the reality is, is they cannot. They they don't want to say it. They, like there's this thing, just don't admit to racism so we can continue being racist. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. That is, that is, that is what Republicans do. Everything they're doing is flat out race. Just deny it, deny it, deny it, deny it. Do not educate our children on it. And that is what, that's what America is.
2: They want to keep us dumb, you know, because they have been getting by so long on mediocrity and I, and we're such brilliant you know people and so now if we're on even playing fields if they actually educate us on what's going on if we actually understand who we are and where we come from and we have pride in, in that they are afraid that they will be you know they will shrink lower and lower on the the totem pole
0: oh we're already seeing it and even in the comedy scene as a microcosmic of the the white Guy comics Girl, are so afraid.
2: I every almost every time I hit the stage and it was a white guy, uh, I hear this line. Oh, white men are in trouble. Everybody hates a white man. And I was like, ain't nobody and I'll I come up. Ain't nobody hates y'all. We just asking for um equality. Does that mean hate? Really? If I ask you to share, if I ask you to share a cup of Kool-Aid with me, am I saying to you, I hate you because you got some Kool-Aid? And I always have to make that. I somehow make that distinction because white boys trying to get away. When when I'm trying to be sympathetic to your motherfucking ass when I'm asking for equal share of of this country that I built. You know what
0: you say? Say you say to them,
2: work harder. Pull yourself up by your
0: bootstraps.
2: (laughs) You know, No, but they're trying to solicit sympathy of what you're not. You're not losing anything. you're You're not oppressed. Oh, they don't like you? Nobody's saying they don't fucking like you. We just saying we want what we deserve. Our rights, motherfucker.
0: <laughs> and on that note, I think that's a not that's a good place where we can I get do, out. I because I got a hard out. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny if a guy was like, I have a hard out, I have a hard actually? Out. Not a hard on, a hard out. I have a hard out. Um this was great though. I'm, it's good to see you too, Mimi. I haven't seen you in a long time. I've seen Pat, you know, but I haven't seen you, Mimi. And it's great to see you. It's great, you to know, see you too. seeing you doing those up in the air splits is incredible. <laughs> um, so, Mimi, and thank you both for for doing this. Um, Mimi, where can our listeners find you? So, you guys
2: can find me at on Instagram. I am Mimi Simpson. On Twitter, it's Mimi Bitches. And uh, Facebook is Mimi Simpson. I we are I, I'm a part of the Black Women in Comedy Festival that is going to be going on July 16th through the 20th. We have an amazing lineup. Please look us up, Black Women in Comedy Laugh Fest. We have so many amazing, hilarious Black women. Shout out to Joanna Briley, the creator of the festival. Show out. Shout out to Joanna Briley.
0: Caroline's mentioned your show at Caroline's. Oh, we we have a show at Caroline's
2: uh, June 16th. Uh, yes june 16th wednesday seven o'clock it is uh, a trailblazer show It's the show with like some of the the women that are um like really hot out here in these streets you know they they on tv they in movies they on tours um so we have janelle james sam jay dulce sloan takara williams ashima franklin And myself, and we got a special opener, uh, Dara, uh, who's hilarious, a a really good, dope, up and coming comedian. She's gonna open up the show, so she'll be there. And um, with friends like us, um, you can be enlightened and empowered, and you can live your wildest dreams. I
0: love it. Yes, you can. Pat, thank you.
2: Uh, thank you, Sam. Just like a uh end of Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is Pat Brown here. Pat Beezy Sheezy. You can look me up at uh Instagram. Pat ain't no bitch, bitches. <laughs> no, my, my Instagram is uh, Pat Brown Show. Pat Brown Show. Uh uh, I'll be around. I'm working on a new comedy special. So I'll be in these streets all summer long with friends like us. You don't have to be in a polyamorous relationship. <laughs> you can be in any type of relationship you want because you are your own bitch.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. Thank you, Pat. And Marina Franklin here. Go to MarinaFranklin.com. Just follow all of these women. I think it's really important that, you know, you continue to follow their careers and go and support everything they're doing. Go to Caroline's Support Mimi. Go check out the Black Women Comedy Festival. That's very important. I think that one of the things I keep bringing up is I talk about how, you know, like on Patreon, white guys go in for support of white guys. I want to see you go in for support of white. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I want to see you go in in support of black women in comedy, specifically black women. And then, yeah, women of color, of course. But do it. Do your work so that we can tell our stories and our histories can be told with friends like us. um, We're not afraid to show the truth. Tell the truth and listen to the truth of our history because it's black history, is American history. Check Thank us you. out. Oh this is <laughs> such a great episode.
2: Thank I love you. Lo- you. I love your voice, Baby. I think you have one of the best, best voices in